Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. up everybody welcome to comic book club i'm alex and we are coming to you live today in two places we're over at crowdcast we're also over at youtube maybe you're listening to the podcast later on however you're listening to it or watching we appreciate you so much uh, now, you might notice, of course, our third is missing here. Pete is not here. It's weird. Every year he misses this show. And mm. I don't know. I guess he just takes a vacation at this. Um, yeah. Time. No, no. This is uh, every year, uh, April 20th, he takes off to celebrate, of course, uh, Adolf Hitler's birthday. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, he's going to really enjoy hearing this back. Um Oh, yeah. No, he he will listen to it. Hey, a little bit of business. I guess I'm getting low volume here. Oh, Alex, check your levels. What about now? Okay, too aggressive. Yeah? What about now? I think you're just screaming. That's not the the way forward. I want to thank everybody with our uh, tech check over the comments here on Crowdcast. We appreciate it. The fans come to text, test your levels. Uh, well. No, I do want to mention it all. Honestly, uh, honesty, Pete actually is off for 420 today, Yeah, which he told us about months in advance. He, he did, and um, he's very responsible in that way. He wouldn't give us a lot of details about what he's doing. Because um, I was like, Pete, I think you being high on the show would actually bring a welcome calmness, perhaps, mm-hmm. that an energy we could really gl- latch onto. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Also, he was very vague at it. He was just like, hey, I can't be here for the show. And we asked him why a couple of times until we figured out what was going on. Um, A comment from Stray Bullet, uh, how's Pete's levels right now? Very high. (laughs) His levels are dangerously high. Dangerously high. All right, I'll tell you what. Speaking of which, we're going to invite our first guest here into the stream tonight. He is the creator of the comic book Youth, among many, many other things. A new issue, a season two, distributed on Comixology. Ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Pryors. Hello. How are you, Kurt? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming out. Uh, Excited to chat about this book and everything going on with you. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Youth Season 2, just out now from Comixology. It's a Comixology original. 
season one has been collected recently by Dark Horse as well, and that's out. Did I get all the details correct? Exactly. Yeah, they both. So since they're they're smart and savvy people over at Amazon, they put out the first issue of the new one the same day they did uh, the trade paperback through through Dark Horse. So there's lots of ways for us to separate people from their money. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the the goal of the of these big companies. So please give us all your money. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, I think if you read the first season, you know what's going on. I came in pretty clean with this issue here with the second one. So I didn't know what to expect. What I got was a pretty intense drama until there's a twist turn at the end. Uh, How much do you want to set up about what the idea of youth is? Well, I think that's sort of the idea that we, in marketing, we kind of say it redefines the teen superhero uh, story, which I I, th- I think is fair, except, uh, you know, maybe a little self-aggrandizing. Uh, <laughs> but it's just a different way of doing things. I think we wanted to tell a story that felt a little more authentic to the way teenagers are uh, in current times. And, like, it hasn't really been done. I don't feel like, you know, I don't think picking up Young Justice or, or Teen Titans uh, – you know, you, you get the feeling that th- these are particularly accurate representations of what it's like to be a teenager, which is fine. I mean, those books are great, but I just wanted to do something that was a little more realistic uh, and less quippy. You're saying the yeah. kids today are less uh, running around with little jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just a sort of a different approach, right? Like it's, uh, I think a lot of what we do is like a lot. The book to me almost is like half crime comic, half teen superhero comic, right? Like this issue we're talking about here would basically follow this character around who just had a particularly uh, rough life, and we see all these sort of situations he gets into before he gets empowered. Uh, so I think it was just just a different spin on things that, uh, like everything I do, was inspired by what I wanted to read and see. You know, so people seem to be digging it. Now, can you talk a little bit about working with Alex Diato? Because I know you guys worked on Olympia as well, which we really liked a lot on the show. Yeah, what has that collaboration been like as you've gone through these different projects? It's been it's been great. I think we like anything you the longer you work with someone the more of a shorthand you develop and i think we've both gotten better since we have been working together so i think uh alex and i've really been able to push things in like a book like this is totally different from olympia because olympia is very grandiose and sort of very widescreen comic there's lots of double page spreads that sort of stuff in it obviously doesn't really work in digital so this we've taken sort of a different approach to and uh there's pages like the one you see on the left there's higher panel counts all this sort of stuff that we can try out uh for the digital first format that still work when we bring it to print but it's just we're approaching it a bit differently but yeah alex is great and so is our colorist deaconiff 
can you talk about uh, inspirations a little bit, particularly for this story in Youth Season 2? I mean, again, for those who are listening to the podcast, you're not getting this, but this scene outside the school really reminded me of Brick in a certain way. So yeah, I don't know if look. that's what you're pulling on or uh, anything. Well, that actually it. happened to me, that scene, oh. not the guns. But uh, <laughs> I got, yeah, I went, shut up a couple minutes to late science class once. She wouldn't let me in. Uh and was like really shitty about it. So then I just ended up going and and, uh, and drinking with with one of my friends at the time. I was like 15 years old, and that's the first time I really tried alcohol. So she'll let me in the science class. Yeah, you'd be a scientist now, and not or you went into comics. Yeah. <laughs> one no. science class away. No, exactly. So I guess I should thank her. Yeah, exactly. You, I think you, uh, I was reading an interview where you were talking about the first volume of this as well. And, and like you're saying, a lot of it seems to be pulled on people you knew or situations or things that happened to you. Uh, where's the line there in terms of adapting things from real life into a superhero comic for you? Well, if it happened to me, I think it's sort of fair game. I won't like write stuff that happened to other people or people I know without, uh, Unless I was going to ask him, because then I just think it's kind of a shitty and predatory thing to do. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of it's inspired by personal experience. Crazy stuff happened to me. You know, like I said, that story started the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and yeah, th the most comfortable I'll feel sharing any of this stuff. But yeah, I was going to say, this could go uh, get deep. <laughs> get, let's get weird. I, I think it's it's like, look, when you're a teenager, you get into a lot of shit. And I'm able to just pull from it to use for the book. Uh, because my job rests people. I guess you just do a bunch of stupid shit when you're a teenager and you don't get to, to <laughs> do anything with it. You just have to grin and bear it. So it's an outlet. Now, with that in mind, did you take... Uh, what about your life did you draw on to write the superhero side of it? Is there still, is it just the the teen side of it or are you pulling some of that uh, up into the superhero world as well? For sure. I'm, I'm a superhero in real life. Uh, <laughs> that's what I was getting at. That's my day job. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Fighting uh, crime to pay for my comic career. Exactly. Well, there's no money in comics, right? So I have to make some money somehow. Uh no, that part's obviously inspired by like comics I I love and that sort of stuff and uh all sorts of different stuff stuff. Like I know that part of the first volume was really inspired by like Jack Kirby. Uh and then yeah, like I, I like teen superhero comics too. Like I think Runaways was probably the last really good one on that book's just fucking so good. Uh and so yeah, I love comics too my critique or inspiration for this book uh withstanding it's not like i don't think there's never been a good teen superhero book i just had my own spin on it right uh and i think it had something i think to add to the conversation go ahead Justin. i was gonna say um so do you feel like uh, your characters or this type of more like realistic interpretation of teen superheroes could exist in like uh, a, a DC? Like you were talking about Teen Titans earlier. Like, what if your characters from this this first issue uh, are were on the Teen Titans? How would they uh, How would they hang? Well, 
they would never let us do the stuff that we do in this book at one of the those big publishers. Uh, but I don't, I don't think they would hang at all. I think they get new. These kids get new fight or something. I don't know. My characters are real rough around the edges, and and Robin and the Teen Titans are sort of hanging out and. I don't know, fighting weird villains, uh, <laughs> like the, the Flash villains, the Boomerang guy or whatever, the Mirror. mirror and boomerangs monster. are edgy. Yeah, yeah. literally. literally, yeah, yeah. Very edgy. sharp. They come right they back at you. Yeah. It's a metaphor. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, on kind of the more businessy side, this is through Comixology, which is a subset of Amazon, and you have uh, Youth is in development, I believe, at Prime Video, right? It, is there... Is there a direct line there, or is it just kind of happy coincidence, uh, happenstance, that you got the Prime Video development and Comixology at the same time? Well, it was at Comixology first, and then I pitched it to Prime. I was sort of able to to get a meeting with them, and I thought, if I'm going to sell this as a TV show, I might as well just sell it to Amazon. And so I pitched them the show, and like 24 hours later had an offer there let me write the pilot it was just very weird oh, that's awesome. the the i'll never forget the day i was walking out of the airbnb i was staying in la i was going out to get into an uber for a meeting i got an email it's like yeah i want to do this uh we're gonna our lawyer's gonna get into deal points with you and i was just like holy shit you know <laughs> let me enjoy uh, this for a second deal points before we're doing that yeah it was just weird I'll, I'll never forget it as long as i live so really cool i mean it's cool there's a direct through line in that like i'm working on both of them right so uh i'm pretty involved in it and i wouldn't have really let someone do it if i thought they were gonna butcher it or just have some tv film bro do a do a, a hack job on it so I well, think where in the process are you yeah uh so we've got a we've got a pilot we're continuing to sort of work on the script and go into another doing another draft on it as we sort of like calibrate and get everything right but got a great team on it I mean, speaking of which, uh, I don't know how much you're aware of this part of things, but we had Scott Snyder on here a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about a very similar thing where he's writing the pilot for the Witches TV series that he's going to be doing over there. I know Robert Kirkman got to have a pretty hands-on approach with Invincible. It seems like the Amazon team is very comic book friendly. Has that been your impression? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty savvy over there. I think we're all working with the the genre team over there, and there's a great execs uh it's always interesting when you're working and doing this stuff in hollywood right because i think historically we've seen that there can be situations where they just option your thing and just like put whoever on it and i think creators have more leverage now which is part of the thing right talking about guys like scott and robert obviously they're pretty big mm-hmm. myself i went sort of those guys got big in comics and then what went and did this other stuff myself have been able to do all these different things and these create our own books that I've been able to leverage in that space, which is sort of giving me more power there. And also in the, the comic realm of not having to eat as much shit from 
Publishers (laughs) and stuff, right? Uh, That's the goal, is eating as little shit as possible. That's what I always look at. I know, you're putting it like really inelegantly, but... (laughs) I mean, there's some truth to that. I I sort of like that as an... Especially in how, like, entertainment, like... It uh, sucks that you have to... To... uh, to reach a certain level to not be, you know, ruthlessly brutalized and, and uh, by these publishers and, and be treated with respect. But it's, it's just the reality. If you don't have a certain level of, of clout or power, they're just going to walk all over you. So I had to go a different way, but I've been very lucky and blessed to, to now get into those rooms and, and be able to advocate for myself and, build sort of a career on that so i'm not complaining it seems the perfect fit i mean clearly they're leaning into comic book stuff at the same time they're leaning into kind of the ya thing but edgier ya with the wilds and the show called panic that's coming up so it makes a lot of sense that they're picking up youth as well to to get back to comic books though a little bit you have a lot of iron to the fire at this point uh not only youth but you release two more series is that right through comiXology at the same time yeah, so like we just announced two more series, which uh, we're going to be dropping this year. So we got one that's coming out in the summer called Lost Falls, which is sort of like uh, I describe it sort of like Twin Peaks meets Lovecraft Country. It's it's a mystery box thriller about a detective who wakes up in on the shore of the small town with no idea how he, he got there. And as he sort of pieces together his memory and figures out what's going on he stumbles onto conspiracies that are both sort of human and cosmic in nature mm. that one's a lot of fun and i think people who like shows like twin peaks and lost will really enjoy that the book's totally done already i sent the fu- files off for the, the the trade today so when it's coming out there'll be no delays monthly uh and then in the fall we're launching a book called memoria which is sort of it's it's a thriller again but very different from lost falls it's sort of inspired by things like true detective and seven and it's about these two detectives working this sort of unsolvable case and how their lives sort of unravel while they're working it they stumble onto big like jeffrey epstein style conspiracy so really fun stuff fun fun we're well, gonna turn that is... it to the to the Ghislaine Maxwell trial for <laughs> for that branding synergy. <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh that's hilarious. Time yeah. it up. Eat uh, less shit. Time it to Ghislaine. <laughs> uh that is awesome. Uh that is so much stuff. Anything else you want to tease or talk about before we let you go? Since again, I know you have a lot of projects you're working on. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. I don't really need, feel the need to plug anything else. If you found me uh, funny or enjoyable or insightful on this podcast, feel free to, to buy the used trade paperback or trade paperbacks of any of you know the other stuff. Uh, not above this this end of podcast shill. So <laughs> thank you guys for having me. Hey, yeah, it looks great. Thank you so much for coming on. It is awesome. And again, you can get the first issue at Comixology. Kurt. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Good luck with yeah. the Amazon thing. Hopefully Good luck with everything. That's awesome. Soon. Thanks, guys. I hope you'll be watching it soon, too. Later. All right. Later. 
All right. Once again, that is Kurt Pyers. The book is called Youth. Season two is out from Comixology. You can get the first volume from Dark Horse in comic book stores or digitally from Comixology as well right now. And now uh, we're going to try to welcome our next guest into the show. One of them is here. I'm not sure about the other one. We'll see what Let's happens. Let's roll the dice. Let's roll the dice. Uh, but we're going to invite Emily Person here. She is the artist for The Vein, which is a great book out from... Oni Press. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? All good. right. Do you have any idea where your friend Elliot is? <laughs> no, I, I messaged him. I don't. He was really excited about showing up for the podcast, so I'm I'm not sure what happened, but I think he would he would definitely be here. Yeah. If it was all right. No, able. we trust it. Hey, listen, yeah. we're happy to chat with you if he does yeah. pop in. At some point, we'll definitely invite him into the stream. Uh, but the vein is great. We've been uh, talking about almost every issue on our Stack podcast. The uh, well, what, why don't you give the pitch rather than be giving the pitch? To That's everybody. right. Yeah. Um, the way Elliot described it to me when I was like first like talking to him about doing a project together was like uh, super sexy vampires that go through time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's, it's basically, uh, it's a period piece of, of vampires through the ages of like the 1940s to modern times. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do a bunch of cool stuff. They fight in world war two and they are involved in, oh, I think that's Elliot. Oh wait, no, that's the screen share. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> you no, really no got worries. our hopes up, Alex. Uh, sorry. Nope, it's just a comic book cover. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a bunch of different uh, time periods through it. It's very fun. It's very... um, it's I don't want to say campy, because I feel like that's a little insulting to tell it, but it's very... It's just a very fun story. Now, when you when he first said super sexy vampires, is this what you immediately pictured? Or, like, how did you go from that first... What was your first impression, and how did you refine it? Because um, super sexy was... vampires could mean many, many things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought a lot about, like, you know, what I find super cool and, like, stuff like that, which I put into the book, like, over-the-top fashion and like very glamorous characters um yeah it and i think a lot of uh a lot of what made it fun was the characters attitudes and like getting able to work off that <laughs> i think i see elliot in chat yeah oh is he yeah. yep. he says oh no i'm late in all caps <laughs> oh okay here we go it's perfect timing Excellent. Now that's great. Uh, well, while we still have you for the moment, let's, let's talk about the look of it a little bit more, because like you said, you're jumping through all these different time periods. Um, what is it like trying to keep these vampire characters consistent while, hey, there's Elliot. Hello, Guys, how are you? I'm so sorry. I thought, I thought this was uh, 7.30 Eastern time. I, I'm so sorry. No, you right. are You're early good. for 7.30 Eastern time. Yeah, so you're responsible. Oh, yeah. God. Thank God. All right. Yeah, all good. Uh, <laughs> totally so, good. 
thanks so much for coming in. That's it for the interview. Thanks, Elliot. <laughs> Thanks. Have a nice yeah. day. No, uh, you, as someone part- who's laid a lot, Alex, uh, you don't need to punish any more than the way that All he right. feels right now. Fair enough. Uh, you, the only part that you missed really is that we love the book. We're big fads of it. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. But Emily, for you, uh, like we're asking, you got these vampire characters throughout different time periods. How do you give them consistent while you're changing the different looks? Yeah, I think um, when Elliot and I were like going through like the pitching process and also like uh, just developing the character designs. I think one of the things I did was, I think you remember this Elliot, I think it's in the trade where uh, I drew all the different characters with different outfits from like, I think like the nineties, the seventies, the fifties, whatever it was. Um, And then I was just trying to keep this, like keep them recognizable throughout history because they were changing their hairstyles and um, their clothes in in comics and art a lot of the time if a character has a different hairstyle sometimes they can look like a completely different person yeah so i think mostly just keeping them looking different from each other but recognizable like you know uh, lost has brown hair and dark skin and then like um uh, uh orphan has blonde hair and light skin and stuff like that so just different ways that you can recognize them each from each other very easily now, Elliot, from you to take a little bit of a step back, uh, when you were coming up with this book, and I think one of the joys of it is it does jump forward, which is something that I really wasn't expecting from the first issue. Yeah. I thought, oh, neat, it's uh, like Prohibition-era vampires going on robberies. That's cool. But that's not really what it is at all. Uh, how did the idea develop as you fleshed out the concept? Yeah, um, I absolutely. Once again, I am so sorry. And Emily, uh, I, I owe you, like, Something. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the guy. I was so excited. I'm such a fan of you guys. So ah, that's so nice. You know, truly, um, you have a lot of you have a lot of tiny pictures you had to straighten before you got here. I oh, totally and they're, not, they're not. And one actually fell off. Uh, <laughs> great, it's great. Uh, my life is a mess. It's fine. <laughs> Do not feel bad. I it's truly can't express how often I am late for everything. I know, but I'm from the Midwest, and like I was raised to feel bad about being alive. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no. So to answer your question, and thank you for having me on, um, and us on and talking about the vein, um, you know, a lot of my stories um, start as jokes in my head. And I don't mean it to be flippant. I, I really don't. Like, because a, a joke is a full story, right? And it kind of helps me, in a way, kind of like wrap my head around an idea. And then like, and then I take it further and further and further and further and further um, until I've invested so much time that uh, Emily becomes my best friend now. Uh, <laughs> uh, can, can I interrupt you actually and ask, what does that actually look like when you say it was first a joke in your head? Could you tell us what that sort of is? Absolutely. So I was eating popsicles one day and um, uh, I was eating popsicles with my wife and I, and I finished my popsicle and the popsicle stick had a joke on it. And the joke was, what is a uh, vampire's uh, favorite kind of bank? And, uh, you know, the answer is a blood bank. And then I was like, that I was so mad. 
mad at because I was like, this person's getting paid way more than I'll ever get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you think the popsicle stick joke writer's making bank? Don't. Justin, come down. We have him on next. Oh, okay. nice. nice. That's a good guest. Nah, he a has a monocle, guess. top hat. He's a, he's a jerk about it. <laughs> the most time. difficult part of that job, actually, is writing on it through the popsicles. Absolutely. How do you how do you keep it intact and how do you not melt it? Uh, but as I'm, we're talking about top-tier copywriting there, guys. Yeah, uh, um, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. And then I started thinking about it more and more, and I was like, well, you know, and then I started thinking about other vampire stories, and it's like, you know, and I'm a huge fan of history and how, like, frenetic uh, and chaotic history is. And it just kind of, I just kind of started investing in it. I'm like, well, what if there were blood bank robbing vampires throughout time? Like, what does that look like? And and that's like how it led me to the, the overall concept of the vein. Um, and then, you know, and then I started thinking about characters and developing them with Emily and, um, you know, and how you have, and that's where like the idea is like you have the core four vampires and they are in, in some respects unchanging a constant. And so we needed, you know, uh, you know, I think uh, the thing that surprised people most is that the main narrator is a human being. Um, and, uh, and, and um, I wanted to do a sort of like Captain Ahab style situation with that person where it's like, you know, there's kind of an often thing where it's like, you know, like, I don't want to like do the spoke Zarathustra or anything like that, but it's like when, when you are revealed a truth that is maddening, you become mad, right? And like, and that, that was the point of that character to me was to like, and, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling anything, uh, but, uh, and how he he's tracking them, and we gauge time sort of through him, and then uh, with Emily through um, the changing eras, and uh, and then kind of delving into the characters themselves. It's like I wanted to do something a little bit different, you know. I am um, I am a Midwesterner, right? Like, and and like, no you know, uh, and I say that seriously, where it's like this book is. A little sexy, right? Um, and like that—that that was a little bit out of my comfort zone for me, right? But it's something I, I really wanted to try, and I wanted to do it in a way that was respectful and um, not exploitative. One—I you know? uh, feel like so many vampire books or vampire stories—it's um, about like betrayal and surprises and all that. And this book felt, felt so different when we first started reading it because it really felt like they relied on each other and had such a strong relationship. And I think you show that so well in the writing and Emily and the art. I feel like they're always like reflecting on each other a little bit in the way the characters just relate to each other on the page. And um, was that a conscious? <laughs> were you like, this book's different because it's about them. They're a team in a way, or they're like. It's like, I mean, when I first think, thank you, first of all, that's a nice compliment. Um, I'm from the Northeast, so a compliment's right. very rare coming. Oh out. man, now we're two magnets. How do they work, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm no. from the country, so there's a weird mix of like uh, Canadian border. It's I'm like Midwest, but also mean. Interesting, and I uh, like you. You yeah. know, <laughs> I don't know. I um, 
at first when I entered into the book, I was like, I want to do a book that's wild and free, right? And because we're talking about vampires and like and 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 I and I kind of had all of those characters inhabit those personality traits. Like, um, you know, I was kind of a little bit writing about not necessarily Gen Z, but like Gen Z in like a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a positive tone where it's just like, you know, like all Gen Z has ever seen are millennials and boomers hate each other. Right. That's all they have ever seen. And like, and it's like, and, and, and it's like the whole idea was to just disregard that. And it's like, they're just focusing on living, right. The un, like the undead live the most. Right. But as I was writing the book, it's like, something I, I discovered and, and, and something that I should have remembered, you know, I, I had like, not to get weird. Right. But like, I had like a mental breakdown in college and like, I was like, I'm going to be a cool nihilistic asshole now. Right. <laughs> and like, and guess what? I was like, not a happy person. <laughs> it's, crazy almost <laughs> how that works um and so as i was discovering the characters myself like you know why then nihilistic freedom doesn't work right nihilistic freedom is like bad and so it's like but then you have these immortal characters who break all bonds of society um how do you, why would they continue to persist simply just to live? Like, yes, I believe that all living entities there, they want to continue living. It's like an instinct, but it's like, but what's the point of it all? If you have a thinking brain and the point of it all is that they love each other. They're better with each other, you know, as much as they might end up hating to admit it. And, and, and that's, what the story is about it's love is eternal right and and i mean that in the most like not cheesy way possible but in the most like idyllic way possible um and they're super hot vampires yo uh, <laughs> well uh to that end i mean not to take too much of a step back but as elliot was saying emily it's trying to strike this balance between playing like a little sexy but not too sexy at the same time how do you do that from the artistic perspective uh just draw really hot girls yeah. um, <laughs> longer <it's>, pants yeah. <laughs> it's, cups like just up to here mm -hmm. <laughs> hubba, hubba. Think, sorry <laughs> yeah i think alongside like the fashion which you know it's fun to like i kind of got the impression when elliot like started working on me with these characters like like if they're in the 50s they're still gonna dress like sexy they don't really care what people think of them like they're gonna they're gonna look good because they want to look good um so it's it's alongside that it's like it's like fashion and then like a lot of elliot's script like the characters have a lot of attitude which i think can be really attractive if you do it right so i think there's there is a lot of that it's just like you know like like what makes you attracted to a person or what makes a person like 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 hot i guess you know just <laughs> yeah now when you were doing the research into the different fashion periods um 
What, what was what were some of the uh, things that you were like? This is stupid. I can't believe people wore this thing. Or, <laughs> or you were like, I can't put this on a person and still consider them a sexy vampire. Oh man, um, <laughs> that's interesting. I think I think sometimes I tried to take it as far as I could. Um, there are definitely some points where it's just like, uh, I think around like some of the fashion and like the 80s or 70s where it's like this person has like um like giant bell bottoms and just like like i don't know i don't, I don't know how to put it right just there's some there's just some fashion that just like i kind of see the stuff that's carried over from the 70s and the 60s and the 80s and stuff like that and that people still wear now like that's probably what would have been more attractive back then too you know mm. yeah uh elliot from your direction uh, when it came to the writing again one of the things that i think was very surprising to me about the book is it's almost a little bit of a different genre every single issue out of the gate when did that decision come about um it came pretty quickly um almost immediately in my head you know i mean i i didn't know exactly how um to implement it or how it would uh how it would come across you know um and and some people liked it and some people i don't care yo uh but like <laughs> um oh, i so care uh <laughs> no it's just like you're dealing with immortality and something like i think i didn't want to do the traditional uh, woe is me, a mortal warrior story. You know, I mean, we've seen it so many times. I do love Highlander. I do love Archer and Armstrong. Like, but like, we, I didn't want to do that route with them. It, it didn't feel right. But at the same time, like looking at history and looking at the historical times, times we've all experienced, you know, um, collectively, it's like, they just happen, you know? And then, and then, you know, some people move on and some people don't move on and, and like just kind of dealing with that. And then I was thinking about, well, like what kind of places in time would four chaotic vampires uh, be attracted to? And like in, in my personal experience, in the, in the things that I've seen and felt, chaos attracts chaos, right? Um, like whenever there's, you know, whenever there's war or whenever there's violent conflict, um, that's such a big human emotional scar that like, um, attracts, you know, some great people who want to help. And it also attracts some bad people who want to take advantage of that situation. And just kind of putting that in there and kind of thinking about it and working about it and said, what's more chaotic than war, even world war two, like, you know, which is like the quote unquote good war, right? Like absolutely insane. Like it's been so sanitized over history, but it's like, you know, it's not fun, right? Nothing is, nothing is, <laughs> there's nothing cute about it, you know? Um, and, thinking about, you know, 1960s Cuba, where it's like you have revolutionaries and you have, you know, the Americans trying to overthrow them. And, and then thinking about 
you know, trying to think about 1970s California. I mean, how many serial killers were active in Los Angeles in 1970s California? Like, it the was only a- way I know there were lots is because the amount of documentaries that are coming out on an almost <laughs> weekly basis. And it's like, what was in the water? Or, you know, yeah. I mean, like, so it's just like, I, 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 I purposely picked areas that would work within my time frame that I thought would offer the most visually to Emily to play with like 1970s Hollywood is both disgusting and iconic at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I think one of my favorite movies of all time is Charlie Heston in, um, in, uh, Oh my gosh. And, and I'm even blanking on it. Uh, the Omega man, you know, mm. I mean, it was just one of those weird movies where I, I watched it over and over and over again on TV growing up. And I'm like, who is this man in this speed suit? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like what is this weird suit he's wearing? And, and like, it's absolutely crazy. And then like, you know, and then it takes us to the present day, which is quite obviously chaos, you know? <laughs> it is funny. I feel like seventies Hollywood was where they were like, you have a movie idea? Cause we're making it tomorrow. So hurry up and get it. So <laughs> the suits, get them out there. And that's like comics, it. comics in the nineties. It was like, Okay, we're doing your comic tomorrow. What's your idea? It's a dark talk? Cool. Go to it. I think it's a really accurate description. I mean, how the movie Logan's Run got made, I'll never know. Like, yeah. I'll just never know. I love that movie, but it's just like, what? Who? Like, there was, I think it was just too much cocaine was the problem. Logan's totally, Run totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. There's a thing called Carousel, and if they go to Carousel, it's very bad for them, so they avoid Carousel, and they go outside, and they find it's bad, and then they come back inside. Listen, I feel you. Totally straight. Spoiler, Alex. Totally Sorry, everybody. But my only problem with that is, like, there's a moment in time where Michael York goes, okay, we have to tell everyone very calmly that this is all a lie. And then, like, smash cut. And he's like, it's all a lie. <laughs> my wife and I, honestly, all the time, almost out of nowhere, go, carousel. Carousel, <laughs> you don't have to do this. You don't have to die. <laughs> it's so... Spoilers. It's great. I love it. In the 70s, they were at the craft services table. There was like granola, cocaine, (laughs) apples. And so they like granola, cocaine. Yeah. Oh, which is really good. Especially if you're trying to like clean up your digestive system. Yeah. Put a little bit of on yogurt. It goes in and you get like some fiber. It's nice. (laughs) You know. If uh, talking about time periods, if you were going to continue the vein, would you go continue pushing forward potentially to like future vampires oh, or would yeah. you take it back and look at, at further decades there? Oh, um, I think the only way forward is, is, is the brave new world. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, you know, the, the, the pitch I have, I would want to do is like, listen, just because the, the dead never die. Right. And like, <laughs> you know, start them off in hell. Uh, and they're just like playing electric guitars and they're having a lot of fun. Um, and Emily, then- are you writing this down? I feel like this is coming your <laughs> no, way pretty no, we've, soon. No, we've talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Half the time I talk with Emily, I like come at her with a lot of emotion. <laughs> and it feels like she's like, uh huh. It's like when I talk to my wife and she's like, that's nice. That's good. For you. <laughs> um, but no, it's just like, uh, they start off in hell, they break out, and then, or they, they, they break out and or get resurrected by, like, a cool, like, witch girl, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then it's, like, 
And then we just, we just don't even start now. We start in like 2065, 20, you know, 100, uh, or some really fun year, like, you know, like, yeah, like Marvel does or, or Valiant uh, used to do or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, and then do the same kind of thing. Um, but then deal with ultimate death, right. Uh, where, um, there's some sort of, I, I wouldn't want to put it into a negative science fiction context. Cause I don't want to put that mojo out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but maybe like the sun is burning out, you know, or like there's some sort of natural phenomena occurring or like humanity has colonized space. And like now they're, they're, they're bopping from planet to planet. You know um, I think there's something fun to be had there. Um, and I would want to redeem them as heroes because ultimately they do end the book as villains, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, like, I, I think they're villains that you like and they're villains that you love, but the, their arc is the classic um, 1950s. And, and I don't mean 1950s as in like, I'm not trying to idolize the 1950s, but the, the sort of code of conduct where it's like all your villains have to either get shot or be arrested at the end, you know, right. um, like the original Scarface or something like that. Uh, so um, I would want to redeem them in some ways. Um, and, and I think setting it in the future in a world where no one can die, uh, where humanity has made itself immortal would be pretty interesting. Oh, that's cool. That sounds awesome. Uh, this is a abrupt conversational turn but i do want to ask about this emily what is up with your awesome dog fan art my dog fan art yeah you have like this one the adventure <laughs> dog yeah which wow. is amazing uh where where does this come from what's the inspiration behind this um <laughs> oh man okay so i was i have a lot of uh art friends that i talk to mostly on um discord and online and um, my friend has <laughs> my friend has a character that she draws a lot. Um, Hi, Joyce. Uh, her character's this like little girl that travels through different um, environments. And so we were just talking one time with our friends, and they're like, "What if she had like a like a Sherpa guide dog?" <laughs> and so I, I drew that for her for her character. I don't know if I ever told her that before, but <laughs> well, I love it. Oh, wow. I, I was just—I was looking through your site before the show, and I thought it was a very adorable dog. So I had to ask <laughs> Thank you. About you. It. I love all these jackets. Yeah, uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, before we do let both of you go, though, uh, just the vein is out now—the first volume, right? You can pick that up. Um, are there more plans to do more of the vein, or is that done for the time being? Other I mean, I, 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 I am annoying. So uh, <laughs> yeah, as, long as, um, as long as Emily isn't sick of working with me, I'm going to keep uh, knocking on that door. Uh, but I, I can't, I'm not in charge of that decision, you know, so who knows? All right. Well, it's a very cool book. We do Great hope book. that there is more. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with everything. Oh, goodness. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. All right, there we go. Once again, Elliot Rahal and Emily Pearson. The book is called The Vein. Volume 1 is out now from Oni Press. Definitely pick it up. It's a lot of fun, particularly as we were talking about, if you want a fun, different riff on a vampire tale. And folks, it's time for our next section, 
which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. Woo! Audience questions. Audience questions. All you got to do is drop a question either in the comments uh, over on YouTube or in Ask a Question over here on Crowdcast, and we will get to it. Uh, but before we do, hey, uh, hey, Justin, there was something I wanted to run by you. Oh, uh, yes. Great. Yeah. Good. Oh, this <laughs> feels like something uh, good and uh, yeah, just yeah. a regular conversation. I mean, I don't know if you know this, uh, but this week's podcast is actually brought to you by Earth Echo Foods, their superfood product, Cacao Bliss. Did you know Cacao! That? Cacao! You know, uh, nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something good for your body. Uh, th- Alex, this is good for you, not like whatever weird um, be- sugar beer you're drinking uh, off to the side. Uh, it's uh, Candy Brow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, just, it's funny you bring this up because they actually they start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon and black pepper, which coincidentally are the same ingredients of my candy brow. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's your um, body rub that you use as well. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah, I'm going to take my shirt off any second and just rub my cacao. <laughs> I don't think that's a good endorsement of this fine product. Um, <laughs> the results? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Inflammation. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I, that is one of my least favorite inflammations. Uh, and not only that, yeah. is it friendly? It is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. It pairs perfectly with Zack Snyder's Mother Box meal as well, yeah. I believe. Oh, that's very um, nice. it Just washes it right out of your system. For the last <laughs> eight years, Earth Echo Foods has been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. And we are offering up to 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15. You can check it out at a Earth the earth echo foods.com slash minute media there you go good stuff uh now Check it out. from there to what we're drinking shout out to pablo in the comments saying sounds like a commercial huh <laughs> <laughs> all right detective <laughs> we got a real batman over here wow sherlock holmes that's pretty cool uh, i am drinking i know i drank this i think two shows ago or something this neon rainbows IPA. Oh, yes. Founded the store again. It was gone for a little while. Real good. Very good IPA. Definitely highly recommended. I've got two things. Are we doing what you're drinking? Yeah, uh, obviously, I'm drinking. drinking my, my yeah, cacao. Yeah, by the way, just to specify, this part is not a commercial. Yeah. This is just, uh, I mean, it is technically, but it's a personal commercial. Yeah. I uh, finished this um, Ruby Red Kolsch made by Ooh. Genesee. It's actually very good. Um, very light summary. It was yeah. 72 today here in Brooklyn, and what a dream to have that. And then I just moved on to this sour IPA from New Belgium, which is very good. That looks like, just based on the label, but the sort of uh, sour IPA that a boy in a fantasy story from like the 1800s would drink. Exactly. I I went to um, the market on my penny farthing and uh, picked up this, uh, I picked up a stick and a hoop for later on tonight. I'm going to run around the neighborhood and make the hoop go and drink, drunk, I'll be drunk. (laughs) <laughs> my favorite game let's go to some questions this is from m bell over on youtube in the past few years comic books and animators have become mainstream dave filoni comes to mind if you could take control of a big franchise like him which and why mm, hmm. i wonder if they why? were asking our guests there <laughs> could be 
Maybe. Could be, but they're gone. It's our it's it's our time. It's our time. It's me time. Having a little me uh, time. I'm just soaking here in the tub. Yeah, definitely. Don't drift to do another commercial act. It's one commercial. One oh, commercial at time. Tubs. Cacao. Um, <laughs> Cacao. I mean, uh, this is, uh, I guess I would take over. Um, it's not really a franchise yet, guess, but yet really. But the first answer was Adventure Time. I would want to take over. I would want to uh, take over the Adventure Time world and play in that sandbox. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, God, take control of a big franchise. I mean, first of all, lots of responsibility there. Don't um, think about the responsibility, Alex. God, think about the geez, fun. The shareholders I, I are so much. not I have calling. kids. I don't have time for this. I got to learn so many different skills. Uh, James Cameron makes an announcement that Alex Zalbin tanked <laughs> the next five Avatar movies because he wasn't responsible be enough. That would be so hard. Can you imagine that? Because the Avatar's bad? Uh, well, no, because there's such a richly uh, fleshed out world from the movie and the theme park rides. Yes. And the comic books, I think. Nice. Good. Yeah. It's crazy to have a theme park ride based on one movie, though, right? It's insane. When does that <laughs> I happen? Don't, I don't know. I guess Somebody fried green, the fried green tomatoes ride at uh, Universal Studios was really fun. Yeah. It's immersive. Um, <laughs> you just uh, get your foot, caught, know, in the, you get your foot like, caught in the railroad tracks and then yeah, you get I don't think I could do a better job than they did but uh, Shiro is so good I'd love to see more in that world not related to the main characters I think there's more story that you said Shira. Shira, sure nice why not great also Star Wars I feel like there would be no problems with taking over Star Wars I mean I, I will say in that sort of larger franchise conversation the way that and I, we don't know if this is actually happening, but the idea that, that Ryan Johnson is developing his own trilogy in the Star Wars universe that is like in a just all new, like that is super interesting to be able to use all the stuff we loved when we were a kid, the world of it, but not have to be beholden to all the like frustrated fans that would be mad anytime you touched on Skywalker stuff like that would be cool. Yeah, and I think, uh, to your point, they are heading in that direction. I know this is a very side conversation, but I've read Charles Soule's Star Wars The High Republic, Light of the Jedi, I think is the name of the novel, and that's set hundreds of years before the Skywalker stuff. It doesn't, with one exception, which is Yoda, who kind of shows up very briefly. There's none of the other characters. There's nobody who's like, my real name is... Uh, Bango Fett, you know, or whatever, or anything like that. Like, it's mm. totally unrelated. I'm just playing in the concepts, and it t- honestly took me, like, a little while to get into it just because it didn't have any of those touch points. Um, but it's good and fun. I- I'm sold enough that I'm going to check out the second book. So, good stuff. Let's go over to Kevin's question here. What is your favorite consequence of Marvel and DC breaking with the comics codes in the 70s? My favorite consequence? Consequence, Yes. Uh, guns and sex. <laughs> yeah, love all the fucking. Um, I think, I mean, creative freedom. I think is the ultimate. the The way that the, the comics code really, like all censors uh, for TV, like it, it's stupid after a while. Like I understand the intention of like protecting children from things that they're not mature enough to understand, but it's so quickly. Kids just move faster than anyone older thinks so it's like if you explain to them what's happening then they can learn from the stories and actually learn about these things violence sex whatever they're trying to shelter them from so they're prepared when they encounter it in their own lives so i think opening that up and letting comics be a really a real storytelling 
vessel, a place where people could learn about the world. Like I feel like my storytelling ability is a direct result of having read comics for my entire life. So like yeah. it's important. And the, we, that free unshackled the creatives. And they were, the comics code was on there for a really long time until relatively recently. I remember thinking even as a kid, like, what is this doing? What are you preventing at this point? Yeah. Which was nothing. Um, but yeah, listen, like you were sort of touching on, I think limits are good, but censorship is bad, which obviously is a very blunt statement to make. But I think there is a difference there. And having... Having self-imposed limits, as long as you have people who actually do have that sense of it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Saying, listen, no, we don't want Captain America to gut somebody and then turn them inside out. That's too much. And understanding those things, I think that can potentially lead to good stories. But if I could take the other side for a a brief moment, um, Bruce Timm has this great story about uh, working on the Batman animated series. Where he was talking about um, a scene where um, I think it's Batgirl or someone is um, falls off is on a is climbing a grappling hook a rope, and they fall and crash into the top of a car and they're mm. and she's really injured, and um, he's like we we drew it in the mock up and they were like oh you can't show that, so instead they're like okay so we just showed um, her on the rope and then her falling and then the rope dangling in the wind, and he was like it was way scarier <laughs> to show an empty rope dangling in the wind and hearing her, the crashing noise. But that passed, that got through the the, the censorship or the, the code um, when showing it, which would have been at least understandable and le- less leaving kids or anyone watching with this image where you're like, your mind is doing it. Yeah. So I do think that lets you get, you know, as a kid, I would have been scared of that probably. But now I'm like, that's so much more interesting to have that limitation and be able to tell a show a more interesting version of it. Absolutely. Uh, here's one from Pablo. What do you think about the song? She trailer. Do you think it'll be the next black Panther? That's certainly how they've been talking about it in terms of fleshing out a world with the majority Asian cast versus a majority black cast with black Panther. They feel very different to me, which is good. Yeah, I I don't know if it feels like a totally different um, just type of type of movie. Like so much of Black Panther was about uh, Wakanda as a place, and this feels a little more focused on the character's journey. Um, so I guess we'll see. I think I just think it looks great, and uh, it feels like a a very different corner of the Marvel universe and just a different type of movie than they've made, but still having the Marvel sort of like a fun little joke here that it shouldn't be shot in the same Marvel style. Like it was great. And it also, it feels like, like you were saying, it doesn't, there's not a lot of preconceived notions for a song sheet necessarily. Right. You know, I think people maybe know his story, but he certainly started as, as far as I know, Stan Lee being like, we need a Bruce Lee, but in our comic books, go. And that was pretty much it. And it was kind of picked up later. And I think people have written some good stories, but it's not, it's not for most readers, probably for some readers, but not for most readers on the same level of iconic stories with Spider-Man or Captain America or Thor, or even like 
Iron Man, who came in with that first movie, and Marvel was like, people don't know who Iron Man is, we need to make them aware. But as comic book readers, at least we had a vague idea of one or two stories that Iron Man was involved in. Song-Chi isn't the same thing. You know, he has a bad dad. You know that he was trained as an assassin, and that's pretty much it. And I love that they're running with that. They got engaging actors, and the action looks cool. It looks super fun. It's also interesting the the ten rings of it all and um, uh, the Mandarin, right? That's what we're yeah. going to get here, um, especially kind of, given yeah. given what we the way the Mandarin was used um, in the Iron Man trilogy. It's like really f- interesting that they're doing bringing him back and maybe making it uh, a real thing. Yeah, it's such a funny like it's it's a typical comic book thing. Like they've had almost double backups and retcons. I I know some people disagree with this. I love the Trevor Slattery thing in Iron Man. Yeah. I thought it was great. It was me super too. Funny. I thought it was great. I was... couldn't believe they did it. What I I still I'm like that. What's such a funny thing to do? <laughs> uh, but then having Guy Pierce say, you know what, I am the real Mandarin was kind of a misstep, and it felt like yeah. you've got this classic Marvel villain that should play into the Iron Myth Man mythos somewhere, and you just didn't get that. You didn't get that release of getting to finally see him in some form. And apparently the way that they're doing this is he's an original character. He's not exactly based on the comic books. He was called the Mandarin at some point, certainly the leader, the real leader of the 10 rings organization, because not to get too in the weeds here. If you watch the Marvel one shot where Trevor Slattery is in prison at the end of it, there is an agent of the real Mandarin who comes to be like, I'm going to take you to meet the real guy. Presumably that's him. Presumably we're going to see, like there's that shot of the frozen water in the air. So presumably we're going to see some sort of 10 rings of power type situation that is going to act like the Mandarin, even if they don't exactly call them the Mandarin. That's good. I think like you're saying, it's a lot of back and forth, but I'm glad we're finally getting this thing that we were promised over a decade ago. The Mandarin was one of the first villains I read in comics because I started reading Iron Man back during Armor Wars, I think. And the Mandarin was terrifying and seemed very, seemed like infinity gauntlet level powerful. So I was like, the fact that the Mandarin isn't a bigger force in the comics universe as well as MCU, I think, um, feels weird to me. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be cool. We'll watch that movie. This is from Eduardo. Following up on a discussion of Amazon Studios being friendly to comic adaptations, is there a particular streaming service that you think is really killing it so far in 2021? Is Alex still an HBO Max naysayer? Yeah, Alex, you're going to have to eat some crow here. Because HBO Max, <laughs> not that, I'm not coming up here saying HBO Max is like my thing, but mm-hmm. HBO Max has come on strong. And you gotta you gotta suck it up. And I want a personal apology. <laughs> <laughs> My entire personality is defined by a streaming service I have no business stake in whatsoever. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of they have a really good back catalog. I think even when I was slamming HBO Max, the thing that was frustrating about it to me was they had an okay product. They have really good back catalog and some good things on there that you could watch. It's certainly you already have HBO, so it's not going to be too much money out of your pocket, most likely. Um, but the way that they rolled it out and they messages and everything was a mess, like an absolute mess. And it's still frustrating to me that they've had to dig themselves out of this hole that they set themselves up in right at the beginning of this entire time. Because like 
weirdly and perhaps surprisingly, particularly for comic book fans, Snyder Cut was not the big hit they wanted it to be. But Godzilla versus Kong was huge. Yeah. Enormous. And I think they're really well set up for Mortal Kombat is coming out this week. I think that's probably going to be pretty big as well. And then they're going to have the Suicide Squad down the road that I also think will probably be big and other things. Um, So I think they're going to truck along there and they're going to build. They're not building as fast as they could. And I think part of the reason is they're lacking in terms of like what they are as a service still like the movies are big and I think they should almost follow and they probably will because they have all these DC series in development and other things, but they need to follow that model. What they're doing right now is they're rolling out these really good HBO series where it's like, if you watched Godzilla versus Kong watch made for love, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of Venn diagram crossover there. And that's the problem with HBO moment X right now. Yeah, I, I hear that. I will say I've been lucky HBO Max because of the variety and the quality level. It's easier to navigate. It's easier for me anyway to navigate and find the good stuff. Um, it's maybe featured better. I, Netflix, I feel like, is a little bit of a mess uh, finding what I uh, I want or w- willing and willing to like, oh, let me watch this thing uh, and see what it's like. Um, and Netflix is just so big, they're, they're not going to change much. And HBO Max feels like they're trying hard um, and maybe getting a couple more hits out there. Well, HBO Max also, we're getting very in the weeds about streaming services, but hey, that's fine. I love talking about this. Uh, the back catalog is better than Netflix. Like, if you go beyond the Netflix originals, which are already a mixed bag, and maybe like the top tier things that they're rolling out, there's a lot of shit on there. Like, nonstop. When I go to watch something, if on the off chance that I don't have screeners or there's stuff we need to watch for the show or something like that, if I'm browsing through Netflix, everything is garbage on there for the most part. (laughs) HBO Max at least has stuff where it's like, oh, this this is an interesting thing. This is something that maybe they have, like, they hide it weirdly under extras, but they have a lot of really good director's cuts of movies there as well, which is cool. Um, Somebody brought up Peacock. Uh, Peacock is one that uh, I also don't know what the identity is, but they have like a fun mix of movies on there. I know a lot of people who really like the channels because they'll have things themed around. If you like Saved by the Bell, there's a whole Saved by the Bell channel. There's a whole Office channel. And this sounds like a slam, but I really think it's a compliment. That's really good background noise. Like if you're working and you just like having the office on, great. It's like running a YouTube channel. That's cool. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if this answered the question. Am I being glowing about everything? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there, uh, I mean, I, I would say Disney plus is probably winning the year though, frankly, because of the Marvel shows. Yeah. Well, because they're not doing much else. Right. So I, that's what I think is interesting. <laughs> Disney plus has such the, the rep, but I don't go there to watch much. I just watch the Marvel shows there. And so like, and my kids watch a ton of Disney stuff, but yeah, I'm not like, what's a, what's up on Disney plus I can watch and poking around through some of those, like I've lost in a national geographic hole or whatever. Well, I think the, uh, Jay citizen brings up the mighty duck show, which I think is actually really charming. Um, a lot of people really like high school musical, the musical, the series, but I, I agree with you. It's mostly, 
for kids and for families when you're looking for a family movie night thing. But the fact that they can keep it coasting with one episode of Falcon of the Winter Soldier a week is bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strong. I, I'm, I feel like now is a time when everyone's going to start to pick and choose the streaming services they actually want to keep. Summer's hitting. People are less – people are going out, less concerned with coronavirus. So I will – it'll be interesting to see if there's a big shift in numbers. Yeah. Uh, this is from Scott Carpenter on YouTube. And Scott, thank you so much for the tip. Uh, since Pete isn't here, how do you feel and the, about the new X-Men comics? I like them, but struggling to keep up with all of them and four more coming out soon. Um, well, I just read X-Men 19. I hadn't read it uh, until this week. And I thought it was just great. Um, really good. And... Um, the the very the way of X coming out is uh, I'm very excited about that. That feels like sort of um, a real defining book going forward, and uh, really exploring the world of of Krakoa in a way that hasn't been done. I feel like we've we've glanced the surface of a lot of things, and now it's time to drill down. And that to me is the most exciting part because everything is interesting, even if you're like that's weird. At least it's interesting, and and let's learn about it. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I agree. I think I'm, I'm also having a little bit of a hard time keeping up with everything, honestly, just because there are so many of them, but I think they're really fascinating. I like checking in with them. It was honestly really helpful when they had the event because that felt like a way of forcing myself to read everyone. Cause there were numbers. There were numbers. Oh, the numbers lined up. Yes, exactly. Um, but uh, at the same time, yeah, I think they're really well done. They're good. And I think like what we're seeing coming up is a bunch of them that are basically rebooting, like they're figuring out how to realign the line again at the same time. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, Sorry, just a uh, YouTube cut out. So I'm keeping an eye on that for those of yeah. the uh, watching on youtube if you do manage to see this we will upload the episode later this just happens sometimes on youtube it's a bummer youtube Ugh. unreliable uh yeah sorry the tube okay this is from straight bullet in light of falcon versus the winter soldier changing the plot motivation of the villains is there a way to use the pandemic as a plot device without disrespecting the experience of people who lost quite a bit in the last year uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, just to give a bit of background on this, this is somewhat rumory, though I've heard this from a couple of different places. Yeah, um, it so, feels real. Uh, it feels real. Uh, the original plot of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we talked about on our Marvel Vision podcast, was that the Flag Smashers were going to release a virus which would kill off half the world's population and bring it down to blip levels. Uh, and that was their whole plan. That's why... Mama Donia died. She died of a virus. That's why they were stealing vaccines, all these other plot points. And then they went back in after uh, the pause for shooting for COVID and reshot a bunch of stuff, did a bunch of new dialogue and changed it so that there was no virus. So to that point, what do you think, Justin? Is there is there a way of doing that responsibly? Uh, not quite yet, I don't think. I feel like it's going to take – we need to be a little bit further past it. Um so that people aren't because there's still so many ramifications happening and not everyone's everyone's not everyone's vaccinated like we're in this world where it's still happening and i wouldn't want to be behind a, a show that is commenting on that or influencing people's actions based on 
uh, just a story that we're trying to tell. So I do think it's a little too timely, but I, I do think we'll get back to it um, soon. The way that they talked about it, Kevin Feige talked about a little bit that you would start to feel the blip as a metaphor for coronavirus. I don't know that I've gotten that from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I think that's a way of doing it. That's what comics have done since time immemorial is used superheroes as a metaphor for things outside of our window. So we'll see if that works. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it does, it touches on the, some feelings I think of the pandemic, but to draw a one-to-one, I think is what is the tricky about it. You got to wait. That's the thing. You you also just from artistic perspective, I need, you need the distance. It's like, all the 9-11 movies that came out right after 9-11, uh, I, I didn't need, I lived through it. I didn't need to process <laughs> that through Mark Wahlberg doing whatever, you know, or whatever, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but you process so much of the world through what Mark Wahlberg's doing, so it makes sense. Right. That... Every time I feel something, I have a Wahlberger, and then I understand. Yeah. Cool stuff. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, if you could only read DC or this is from Nick Grayson, if you could only read DC or Marvel or everything else for the rest of your life, what would you choose? DC, the three categories are DC, Marvel, or everything else? I think DC or Marvel. Oh, interesting. Um, gotta go Marvel. It's uh, sad to give up Batman, but uh, gotta go Marvel. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I think we were talking about it on one of the shows you weren't here for, and I said that I was leaning a little heavier DC right now just because I really like what they're doing from a story and art perspective. But mm. I don't know. When the chips are down, I think I would choose Marvel too. Wow. You're flirting. You're flirting with I am, DC. I am, I'm flirting with DC. But you're always going to come back to Mama Marvel. <laughs> and last question here. This is a great tee up. This is from Josh. Who's doing trivia tonight? Well, that kicks oh. it into our next section, which is trivia. And we're going to turn it over to the real star of trivia, Justin Tyler. Yeah, it's my time to shine. Finally, the tiger's going to handle the harder questions. Um,. The way trivia works is um, traditionally um, uh, I ask uh, three questions. Um, there are uh, multiple choice answers, um, and uh, you can win a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics virtual, um, as always. Um, all you need to do to be involved in this trivia experience is raise your hand. First hand up will get to do trivia. And walk away That's with $25 to Midtown Comics. Let's some no. of the folks have come over for. Ooh, here we go. Uh, people uh, just say hands up. Me, hello. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can say, and if there's some people coming over here from the tube, um, then please, uh, this is your chance to come do it live. Yeah, we're doing it live. Ooh, hand up. Here we go. We got we uh, got Jonathan McCool. Welcome, Jonathan McCool, coming in for some That's trivia. Exciting. Now, are you doing this on topical comic book news? That's a great question, and I am not. Trivia today is on non-topical comic news. Oh, that's right. Technically not news, but yeah, it's not topical non-news. It might not even be comic book related. Let me be honest. Hey, hello. This is so fancy. Wow. (laughs) Thanks for coming over from the tube. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to let Justin take it away. 
Yes, it's great to be talking to you. Are you in some sort of heaven? I wish. No, I'm in a room full of computers. Uh, no, no. <laughs> That's my idea of heaven. Uh, thanks for jumping in, Jonathan. Uh, trivia, uh, I'm going to uh, read the question and read three possible answers. If you answer all of the questions correctly, gift card yours. All right. I'm, try- I'm trying to remember the lines that Pete says. Um, today's trivia uh, is on non-topical comic non-news with a special shout out to Pete LePage question number one what would you consider to be the first comic book is it A. Neanderthal cave drawings B. Erotic drawings on Mesopotamian clay pots or C. Pete LePage (laughs) Uh, A. A is correct. Yeah. But I should say Alex does collect erotic clay pots as part of his um, uh, pervert comic collection. Yes, it's absolutely true. They're right over there, though. They're off camera. So I can't actually... believe you got to get those things on camera. Uh, great job, Jonathan. And again, uh, like Pete gives hints. I don't do that. That's not my thing. It's much harder trivia, much harder trivia. And also, these are all opinion-based, um, like a lot of Pete's questions. So there's no actual right, r- right or wrong answer. Uh, question number two. When you were a kid and had read all the other comic strips in the newspaper, even Gasoline Alley, would you read Prince Valiant? A. Yes, that shit was fire and taught me about what it means to be a hero with a very bad haircut. B. No way. I got hung up on Family Circus. Jeff, Jeffy did just whatever the fuck he wanted and got away with it, so I would just go do the jumble. Or is, well, it, is, or is it C, Pete LePage? Well, first, it was always Calvin and Hobbes. Of course. Uh, I mean, I'm talking after you got through all the good comics. And then Garfield. Gotta do Marmaduke. Zits. But uh, definitely gotta be B. That is correct. Uh, Prince Valiant can go fuck himself. I think that's a, a thing of a policy we stand by here. <laughs> Question number three. This one's very hard. It's 420. How high is Pete LePage right now? Is it A, pretty high? Is it B, high enough that he thinks he's here right now? Or is it C, he's Frankencastle is actually pretty awesome high? Or is it D, Pete LePage? oh it's a visual answer as high as possible can we take that justin that is correct he is frankencastle was pretty awesome high and i can't wait till he gets back to tell us all about it awesome Uh, jonathan congratulations you've won 25 dollars from midtown comics shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com we will get that off to you and thank you so much for watching thanks for jumping over from the tube sorry it all went down Hey, thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. Uh, oh are you in a computer lab? What Are you working or what are you doing? Yeah, I'm actually at the police dispatch station. So if you guys got any problems, you might get me on the phone. Well, <laughs> yes. That's right. Great. Very cool. Awesome. You have a great night, Jonathan. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Later, guys, man. Love- Thanks for waiting. Uh, uh, so awesome. cool. Awesome. Oh, uh, and for th- those of you, um, there's a secret quiz in oh. the answers. Um, <laughs> okay. If you were paying was attention. Was it a movie that Pete was in? It is. Um, obviously, the three um, answers are Pete LePage, Pete LePage, Pete LePage. Um, sure. Kevin, do you have a guess? 
Kevin, you always seem to know the answer to where are you on this one. Um, the movie that um, Pete LePage is in is his great, great guest. Kevin says how high is Pete LePage's one man show, which you can see the trailer of over on his YouTube page. Go check, which is YouTube.com slash Pete LePage. Um, check that out. And hopefully I think he has it taped. I'm going to get him to to release it because it's actually a very good show. Brought awesome. me to tears. Amazing. As we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day, unless you're DC Comics, in which case, hey, they're out today. We release them whenever. Also, Comixology, I think, is out today, too. But, Justin, what are you looking forward to? What to look forward to? Lots of stuff out there this week. I'll tell you what, I'll throw it out. I'm looking forward to the many deaths of Layla Starr, number one from Boom mm. Studios, that were written by Ram V, art by Felipe Andrade. Uh, love the creative team. Very interested to see what it's about. Maybe it's a really good book that I like. I don't know. But yeah, I guess we'll, we'll never know. Um, I'm going to go with Way of X, number one, that I was just talking about. Again, a book that... Um, Obviously, it's not out yet, so I can't have really sure, read it. But not. I will say it really delves in it. I, I assume it really delves into um, the underpinnings of Krakoa and uh, Cacao, Krakoa, uh, and uh, Nightcrawler as a main character that I was really, I thought was just so good and explored the world. It explores the world, I think, in a great way. Very cool stuff. Coincidentally, you can get those reviews and many more on our Stack podcast that comes out Wednesdays at 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A couple of things we want to shout out before we go. First of all, Kurt Pyers. Check out Youth, which is on Comixology now, as well as the first volume from Dark Horse Comics. Elliot Rahal and Emily Pearson, thank you. Check out The Vein from Oni Press. Volume 1 is out now. Next week, we have two more great guests for you. Connor McQuarrie from The Last Witch, a book yes. we're enjoying quite a bit. Love that here. Also, Juan Espinosa from Tales of a System Admin. We had him on our live show a while back, and he is back with his book, so that should be fun. Bunch of other podcasts that we have rolling out. We have Marvel Vision. Our Marvel podcast is going to be finishing up Falcon and the Winter Soldier this week. Very exciting. Podvincible, our Invincible podcast, is still trucking along heading towards the end of that first season very soon. Yeah. Also, Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast, will be back for some special episodes soon, so keep your eyes on that feed. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support all the shows that we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen at Comic Book Live on Twitter, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, that's it for Comic Book Club at the 421 and all. <laughs> Good night, guys. If anybody sees Pete wandering the streets, get him inside. <laughs>